and welcome back to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Gallum, and I'm excited to have this conversation. It's a little bit of like a meaty episode in that we're going to be talking about financing in a way that like, frankly, I don't see enough small landlords talking about. As you all know, over the last year, year and a half at this point, as I'm recording this in April of 2023, We have seen interest rates go up and up and up and up and up. It feels like every other month the Fed is increasing the interest rates. But it seems like a lot of this conversation about how this is affecting financing and how this is affecting real estate has been more about oh it's you know more expensive to buy real estate or on the flip side you know they're talking about you know commercial real estate which makes sense and we'll talk about that in a bit because commercial financing is a little bit different than owner occupant financing if you've been you know exclusively house hacking or using some sort of owner occupant or vacation property type of loan to acquire your investment properties this may be something that's a little bit off to the side But I'm sure as we've all kind of felt increasingly over the last few years, like the perfect burr has gotten to be increasingly hard to find. And by that, I mean something where you can pull 100% of your money out post rehab on a refinance. And so the, the real estate investing market is changing. And it's not just changing in a way that is affecting, you know, Wall Street or downtown, you know, of major cities where there's these massive skyscrapers that are still kind of sitting empty post, you know, remote work transitions and, you know, everything that's kind of happened in terms of uh, geographic relocations as a result of the pandemic. And so, I mean, I'll speak for myself for a second. We used the power of the cash out refi to build our portfolio. We bird and then erred. <laughs> we just kept on refinancing for, you know, a decade. And we were able to really, you know, use that to our benefit for two primary reasons. I mean, let me just back up for a second. We're talking about the burr, you know, buy, uh, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And what we would do is continue to refinance, especially because most of our loans were on five-year balloons, but also because of two key things. One, we had invested in an area that went through rapid appreciation. Um, It was kind of just a side benefit of investing in Philly and living in Philly and that just being the location where we chose. But I mean, across the board, I mean, real estate has really done quite well if you're looking at, you know, national trends over the last 10, 20 years. I mean, even if you're looking longer term than that, I mean, the vast majority of markets have done very, very well. On the, you know, other point is that interest rates have been decreasing. Basically, since 2008, we've been on this, you know, gradual path towards what eventually we had in 2020, which was a 0% Fed rate, uh, which is kind of crazy um, when you think about what that can do to a market and how it can you know play around with supply and demand but also just how it you know affects the entire banking infrastructure which is a much more complicated discussion if you want to chat about that you know shoot me a DM or something we can go into all the economics of it but I'm sure you guys you can see values are going up rents are going up and interest rates are going down so we were able to you know cash out refi um, on a lot of our properties and be able to not just get cash out, but also be able to increase our cash flow in the meantime. And so we could pull, you know, $100,000 out of a property 
and not affect what the cash flow was, which was really quite awesome. Um, and it'll be something that we'll probably miss in the short term. Hopefully we'll get back to at some point or at least some sort of stability of that. I mean, I don't anticipate interest rates to do exactly what they did again, possibly ever. Um, but, you know, at least having that balance of appreciation and a somewhat stable <laughs> interest rate would still allow for the cash out refinance to to be like the backbone that us investors can kind of steadily rely upon to scale our portfolios, to continue to leverage upon our existing real estate, which is really, you know, when I talk about like a financing type of flywheel, the point where we want to get to, we want to get to this point where we can kind of self-sustain ourselves, self-sustain our financing through the properties that we have. And that's really, really, really powerful. But as interest rates increase, it gets increasingly difficult for these numbers to kind of pan out. And so that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today, because I feel like people just talk about like, burrs and financing like we're existing in the world we were in five years ago and we're not. And if you do treat your financing and, you know, most importantly, your deal analysis the same way as you did five years ago, then oh, you might be up a creek in, you know, a few years. And, you know, take me back three years ago, I, I still kind of stand by what I said. I, I remember speaking with some other industry professionals, other investors, you know, everyone's kind of talking like, what what's going to happen? What's going to happen to real estate? Is this going to be another crash? And I think at that point, you know, if we're looking at 2020, everyone was like, is there going to be like an imminent crash? Like, is there going to be something that happens within the next year that, you know, dramatically changes the landscape of real estate investing? And my thought was no. <laughs> I didn't think that the government was going to allow that to happen. And by and large, it did. I mean, we saw eviction freezes, closure freezes, um, you know, obviously not completely across the board, but like these things that could have really shaken up the industry in a time of like financial upheaval didn't happen. And they ha they haven't really happened for the last three years. Now, what do I foresee? What did I see for foresee back then? And I still kind of worry about, which is why I, I want to have this conversation, is more of like a short sale crisis in the next three to five years. At this point, it may be more like two to four years, uh, just due to the nature of when a lot of these balloon payments are going to be coming up, or also, you know, reaching a point where some over leveraged buyers, whether on the investor side or the retail side, um, hit hard times. I'll give you an example. From a residential side, say, you know, someone purchased a property three and a half percent down, and they need to get out of the property for whatever reason. I don't think anyone goes into real estate thinking that they're going to be, you know, having to becoming like a distressed seller, but like it happens, you know, people lose their jobs, they get divorced, someone passes away, like all sorts of life things happen and you need to get out of a particular property. Now, we've already seen this in, you know, some markets, there's been a slight market correction and, you know, a 5% market correction may not feel like much in the scheme of like numbers, like five is not a very big number, but when you only have three and a half percent equity, it is. And if you've only been in a property for three, four, five years, you've only been really paying down your interest at that point. Your you know principal has not really had much of a ding. And so you may be needing to bring cash to the table to close that sale, which not everyone can afford to do. I can, I can tell you I've already had, you know, circumstances like that where people have 
you know, essentially become homeless after selling their primary home for basically a, a complete wash. Um, on the investor side, though, I fear what is called the cash-in refinance, or maybe I just call it the cash-in refinance, which is the opposite of the cash-out refinance. And so these are circumstances where you've got some sort of an arm or a balloon mortgage that is, you know, coming due and, you know, maybe you purchase the property at three and a half percent interest or three percent interest if you got really lucky on a commercial loan over the last few years. And now surprise refinance is going to be seven and a half percent or pushing eight percent. And so is that property going to cash flow? Um, has that property, you know, had rents increase enough uh, to maintain its valuation? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about commercial valuation as well. And so here's the thing, whether or not you have um, commercial loans or arms, uh, meaning adjustable rate mortgages, I want you to hang around for this episode. And, and the reason being is that if you plan to scale and grow your portfolio, you can only use like those nice, cushy, 30-year, owner-occupied, personally-backed uh, mortgages for so long. Either one, you're going to hit the limit of how many of those mortgages you can take, or two, you're going to run into like a debt-to-income issue. And sometimes that happens before you actually hit that um, actual you know, nom- monetary numerical threshold. And so... If we're gonna scale, at some point, we're gonna either be getting into some sort of creative financing or commercial lending, which almost always has some sort of a balloon, or if it doesn't have a balloon, um, it usually has really high interest rates, like a 30-year commercial loan is going to cost you a pretty penny, especially right now. Uh, I think the people who locked in 30 years, you know, the last two years are probably feeling pretty good about that life decision right now. But for those of you who didn't take that option or just, you know, would prefer to maintain immediate cash flow with, you know, a really low interest rate for, you know, five years or seven years or whatever your balloon payment is, then that's an option as well. I know that when we did some refinances, we we did some like 10-year balloons, which is much longer than what we would normally do, but we're like, oh, I don't really trust the market. <laughs> and so um, it's it's been a little bit of, I don't want to say like a guessing game, because you can see the writing on the walls, guys. Like there's no question that interest rates are up and they're going to stay up. And they're not like high when we're talking about like historical uh, interest rates. They're pretty much where they were at like five, seven years ago, which is still in the scheme of things pretty low. Um, but it can really throw a kink into things if you, you know, like I said, if you started off at like a 3% interest rate and now you're refining at an 8% interest rate, go ahead, go put those numbers into one of those like rental calculators, whether it's bigger pockets or um, some other calculator. I know a lot of you guys have, you know, Excel things that you can just pop right, <laughs> pop right into. Um, if you followed me on Instagram, you know, Excel is not so much my jam. I can play around a little bit, but I just, I, I've got that bigger pocket subscription and I just put things in there. It makes things mindless for me in moments where I need easy math. <laughs> and so um, put it in there and just see what a drastic difference interest rates can play in your uh, cash flow situation. And then also, you know, factor in whether that makes, you know, the, the properties make money. And that's going to be a big question. We're already seeing this issue um, kind of 
metastasized throughout a lot of commercial real estate already. Um, I don't see it having hit the uh, housing market quite yet, but that's not to say that it won't, especially because I think in housing, most of the balloon payments are about five years and assuming someone, you know, let's say 2020 took out a loan or 2021 took out a loan, like these five-year balloons are not yet maturing. Um, And the other thing to keep in mind is a lot of these commercial loans on the residential side have what's known as a 3-2-1 prepayment penalty, meaning the first year, if you were to refinance, there's a 3% of principal penalty, second year, 2%, first year, 1%, and then after that, there would be no prepayment penalty for year four and year five. Um, And again, this varies a lot. Always look at your loan terms and see if that's an option, but I think in those first years of the pandemic, a lot of people were like, yeah, I'm going to refinance early, even if I have to pay a prepayment penalty because the rates are just like spiraling uh, in a downward direction. And now the opposite is happening. And so I don't think anyone's doing these early prepayments by and large. Um, It just, I can't imagine a situation where it would make sense unless you are doing a refinance for a different reason. Um, Perhaps you're buying out a partner or, or something like that. And so... What can we do? (laughs) What can we do as landlords to prevent what I'm calling a cash-in refi? If the cash-out refi is when, you know, this balloon is up or we're just at a point where we're ready to leverage some more of the equity or the debt pay down of a particular property, what do we do? Um, What I would say is there's a few options you have on the table. You've got the ability, well, first and foremost, make sure you're increasing your rents regularly and reasonably. I always say reasonably because one, that's usually the law in most states. You can't just you know pick whatever rent you want. Um, I know there's definitely exceptions to that rule where you can literally pick whatever rent you want, but coming from you know the mindset of a, a bit more of a liberal um, political landscape here up in the Northeast, we definitely have, you know, restrictions on how much we can increase rent year over year. And so you want to be doing that regularly because if you find yourself under market, well, that's what commercial loans are based off of. It's not like what rent could be, it's what rent actually is. And so you need to be as close to market rent at all times. And that requires regularly increasing your rent so you're staying around market. The next thing that you want to be doing is, you know, having some cash reserves. Does it feel good to have cash in an inflationary market? No. But does it feel good to have to do a cash in refi and have no cash? Absolutely not. And so we want to have some reserves. We already have reserves for vacancy or CapEx, uh, probably a combination of both. So set a little bit aside so you have cash for the you know, inevitable, I don't actually, inevitable is not the right word, for the possibility of a cash and refi, because I don't think it's anything close to an inevitability. I do think that it is a question mark, because for those of us who have uh, balloons or are thinking about, you know, stepping into commercial financing, then we have no idea what the interest rate is going to be in a few years from now. And this is a way to kind of hedge against losses. And, you know, the way I look at it is that if in, you know, three more years when our balloon payments come up and we don't need any of the cash, then great, I'll go buy another property. I have a built-in down payment savings fund. Um, And so that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at it at this point. Then the next thing that I, I... I think it's probably the most important thing that you can be doing as an investor right now is to be a little bit more conservative with your numbers um, and to make sure that you're not over leveraging your properties. Um, 
What I mean by that is I feel like, and this is probably because I've done it myself, when we would evaluate a property, we could be a little bit kind of flexible with like what the numbers were gonna be, um, especially when we're like doing more long-term projections because we could so reliably count on interest rates, not, not just decreasing, but not being something super drastic from where we are at currently. And while I do feel like we're kind of coming to an end of these kind of rapid fire, you know, every few month increases coming from the Fed, we don't know that for sure. They haven't tipped their hand. They're not going to tip their hand as to, you know, what is, you know, the limit of when they feel like they've got, you know, the economy under control or whatever they're doing right now. Um, And But what we do know is that there's more coming. We do know that there's a few more interest rates coming, uh, interest rate hikes. And so we've got a plan for that. And so when you're looking at, you know, a projection of cash flow for, you know, a particular rental property, play with the interest rates, play with what they are now, but then also play with maybe like 1% higher, 2% higher, and see what the cash flow is there. Because we did that recently with a property um, that someone had brought an eight unit to us. It was an off-market property. And to be honest, they they wanted way too much money. <laughs> we tried seller finance. We tried everything to make these numbers work. Um, but the reality was that we we couldn't make the numbers work. And that was in large part due to the fact um that we had to factor in, because I'll I'll give you the the exact scenario. Uh, We were trying to do seller finance about 15% down, and we knew, and they only wanted to give us a five-year balloon. And so we had to figure out what would the numbers work like (laughs) in order for us to get, you know, probably 25, at least 30% equity in the next five years, because that's what the refinance into a commercial loan was going to require us to have that kind of equity position in the property uh, without having to do another cash-in type of situation. And we also knew what the existing rent roll was. The properties, there was no real um, value add. The property was actually in great condition. And so there was probably minor hikes we could do to the rents. But I mean, you know, if we were to add, you know, 100, 150 bucks a month across the whole portfolio or across the whole eight unit building, that was really going to be it. I mean, it was not going to be something that really bumped the needle to increase the value of this property. And then we also knew that interest rates were going up. And so the cash flow that we would get, you know, from this seller finance of, I think he was offering us four and a half percent, which is, you know, pretty good compared to what rates are right now. But, you know, we had a factor in, you know, seven and a half percent, eight and a half percent interest rate on the back end. And once we did that, assuming we even had that, you know, 30 plus percent equity position in the property, the property was losing money every single month. And so once we hit commercial financing on this property, we knew that we were going to lose money on it. And so a lot of that just came down to the fact that they wanted too much money for the property. They just, it it was not a financeable property at the uh, rents that were there and the, um, you know, what they were asking for. The, the purchase price was just too high, um, which is why it still hasn't sold. But let me tell you this, the I'm so glad that we didn't just look at what the rent roll was going to be immediately upon closing, but also factored in like what it would be like after the balloon. And that's what I really want you to do 
now is I want you to factor in if you're considering the possibility of commercial financing on a particular property, whether now or after, you know, a creative finance situation, um, or even just down the line, like it may not be a property you've got on your desk right now. Think about how it will cash flow immediately, but then also project how it will cash flow after a balloon with an increased interest rate payment. Because if it doesn't cash flow then, that's not gonna be a fun time. Even if you don't have to do a cash in situation, if you're just in the position of having to um, lose money or break even on a particular property. Because I mean, it, you can sit there and say you, you can raise rents, but if the market doesn't support that, you're, you're not gonna get that, you're gonna get vacancies. And so um, all of those things are really, really important to consider as we're doing deal evaluation in this new kind of financing environment. So that's it for this week's episode. Guys, if you learned something new, if you're enjoying the Good Bones podcast, I am looking to grow the podcast. And one of the best ways we can do that is by letting other people know that it exists. So let people know in a Facebook group that you're a part of or screenshot your phone and post it on social media and let people know that this podcast exists. Feel free to tag me at Bonnie Gallum ESQ. I would love to share it. And I always love hearing your feedback. So feel free to DM me. Always happy to you know chat about this week's episode. And that is it for this week. I'll see you here same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.